So if you would, to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. One of the things that I fear, and and this is this is a legitimate I I believe it's a legitimate fear and should be a legitimate fear, I believe, for every pastor, and that is that you don't believe what you believe because it's what I teach you. Does that make sense? Okay, you should believe what you believe because it's the Word of God. Okay, okay. Because I could teach you heresy. That sounds really good. But it's up to you to 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 absolutely discern because <clears throat> let me ask you a question if <clears throat> and we all will do this we will all stand before God and give an account if if I teach you something wrong and you do not diligently seek it out and determine it to be wrong who is God going to hold accountable well both of us <laughs> okay me for teaching it but for you for not for not knowing it. And I came I came prepared this evening with a whole arsenal, if you would, of proof that this book is the word of God. And I, I have every intention of unloading this proof on you tonight. I had, I was eating breakfast one time several years back with a pastor friend of mine. And I asked him about the Word of God. And something, I, I don't remember exactly what was said that, that precipitated my, my question. But basically what I was asking him is, do you believe the book? And I said, what is the word of God to you? And, and this is what he said. I, I, I sent Chris this quote. Can you put that quote up for me, Chris? <clears throat> he said, because it is the inspired, the inerrant, the infallible uh, authority. Uh, the word of God is our only rule of faith and practice. That's what he said to me over the breakfast table. And I said, wow, that sounded really cool. But what does it mean? Now, I know this, this, this pastor, and I know where he went to college. And I know that that is a, probably a direct quote from one of his professors. <laughs> and he probably had to memorize it for a bibliology class or something. I don't know. But that, that's what came out of his mouth. And I said, I said, you know, this sounds really good, but really, what does it mean? And he just looked at me like I had six eyeballs or something. He's like, wow, that was kind of dumb, huh? I said, what do you teach your people about the Word of God? Do you teach them a bunch of fancy, empty words? Or do you teach them to love the book? See, my goal tonight, and we're talking about the distinctives that, 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 that make Baptist Baptist. And the very first one we talked about last week, I gave you the whole, the whole list. <clears throat> and, and I know Danny went to go get a piece of paper probably so Kimberly could keep copious notes, as she <laughs> usually does. But you're going to need six of those. <laughs> yeah. But no, seriously, I, I thought about a lot of the information here of, of, of printing it out and, and, and giving it to you because there's a, I'm, giving, I'm going to give you a lot of information tonight. <clears throat> but before we go there, you tell me why the Word of God is so important. Okay, it, it, it has everything to do with the author, okay? Okay, 
Anybody else? Okay, it's his love letter to us. Brandon? Okay, that, that sounds really good. But what if I don't believe it? What if I don't believe the Bible? <laughs> okay, Ashley? Okay, it's a guidebook. Okay. What, what were you going to say, Ronnie? It's the living word. There's life to the book. Okay. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Yes, sir. I'm sorry? Okay. Yes, sir. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. No, I understand. Yeah. Yeah, I I vaguely remember it. Yes. Yes. Okay. 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 Anybody else? Okay. I get asked often. I, well, I shouldn't say often because that would that would make it sound like every week. But I I'd say probably two three times a year. I get asked by someone in the church, "Hey, I have a friend, a family member, blah blah blah. You know, you fill in the blank that doesn't believe the Bible. What what can I tell them to make them change their mind? How do you answer that?" Okay, <clears throat> that that's not necessarily true because because I believed the Bible before I got saved. Okay, I'm just saying. I, I'm just. Yeah, they believe. Yeah, and, and and it's it was passed down around campfires from century to century to century, which is a bunch of hogwash. That didn't happen that way. Um, but no, I'm serious. What do you say? Okay, God needs to open their eyes. All right, anybody else? I have some uh, what their final authority was. Okay. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Brandon? Okay. No, they don't. No. <laughs> I, you know. <laughs> Not necessarily, but it, it could be. <laughs> See, the, the key is this. It takes faith. To believe the book. It takes faith. Now, does it take a lot of faith? Now I can I okay, Jim Jim made a really good statement that it that that they need to believe the book before they can be okay. And and I, I refuted that because and I want to explain why, because I think I owe that to Jim. <clears throat> I believed as a little boy that the Bible was the Word of God. And this is why. My brother, who was three years older than me, I don't know what he did. I never did find out. But I know whatever he did was really, 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 really bad. (laughs) I mean, really, really bad. Because he did a lot of really bad stuff. But this was really, really, really bad. And my dad was so mad at my brother because really it boiled down to his word against somebody else's word. 
I don't know where my dad got it, but my dad found a Bible in our house. And he stuck it out, and he had my brother put his hand on that Bible. And he said, he said, <clears throat> swear on this Bible that you're telling the truth. Well, it came out about two, three days later that he lied. It was unequivocally flat out a lie. My dad put the fear of God in me through the beating that my brother got. <laughs> okay. There was no question in my life that this Bible was the Word of God. Because my brother got beat. I mean, he got beat. <laughs> now, if you ask my dad that, he'll probably go, huh? But hey, it left an impression on me. Because as an unsaved young, I don't even think I was a teenager at that point. I understood that there was something special about that book. It takes faith. Romans chapter 1, let's look at verse 16. <clears throat> for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. <clears throat> to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the great. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this evening. Thank you for the Word of God that is powerful and quicker than any two-edged sword. And Lord, as we look at this subject tonight, I ask that you would speak to our hearts. And Lord, help us to walk with you. Help us, dear God, to be more like you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, I don't know if I'm going to get through all of this tonight because my, my mind is going about 600 directions right now. Because the reality is this. I could spend three years teaching you how to defend the Word of God. Seriously. There, there, are, there are theologians that have made careers out of being able to argue with the unsaved of the power of the Word of God. And, <clears throat> and what I'm giving you tonight is just, a, just, a, just scratching the surface. Can you put that quote back up, please, Chris? I, I'm sorry. <clears throat> I want to I dissect this very, very quickly. Uh, and, be, and we're going to be talking about it probably a little bit more in a, in a little bit, but I just wanted you to see this because... It says, because it is inspired, is the Word of God inspired? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, is it uh, inerrant? Yes. Is it infallible? Yes. Absolutely it is. It is. Is it our only rule for faith and practice? Yes. It should be. Okay, what it, why 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 did why did I say it should be? What 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 can creep into every church that has ever been formed since the first century church? Okay, doubt, heresy. How about tradition? Okay, all the, and all of the above and and many other things. There you go. And next week, we're going to be talking about the authority of the local church. And I want, to, I want you to kind of be thinking this week of what... Yeah, if I get through tonight. Yeah, I better shut up and just move on. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Uh, the, the title of the message, very simply, the Bible is the Word of God. Okay, just very, very simple. Uh, the Bible is the Word of God. God used more than 40 people to write the Bible. Most of them never met and had the ability to collaborate on their writings. Okay? Now, were some of the authors, um, what's the word? Uh, contemporaries. Were some of them contemporaries? Absolutely they were. <clears throat> but most of them, well, I shouldn't say most because I, I don't know that for a fact. Many of them were not contemporaries with each other and had, did not have the ability to collaborate and to, quote-unquote, make up stories. <clears throat> in 
It also took over 1,500 years to write the 66 books of the Old and New Testament. And a lot of this, especially at the beginning, is going to be regurgitation of stuff I've already taught you. So uh, <clears throat> the Bible is totally accurate in, in its historical and prophetical positions. Now, if... <clears throat> I had a pastor one time call me and we were anyway the, the, the circumstance doesn't really matter <clears throat> he asked me a question and this was his question if the Bible and the Greek did not agree which one would you believe think about that for a second if the Bible and the Greek and, and or the Hebrew disagreed, which one would you believe? Okay. 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 Well, my answer to him was, well, you're asking me an irrelevant question. Because it doesn't. The Bible doesn't contradict, and, and the Greek and Hebrew do not contradict. Everything flows together. That was kind of a trick question, by the way. <laughs> because because the, oftentimes critics of, the, of Scripture will take verses out of context, and they will claim contradiction. Or they will claim, uh, in the case in the case of, uh, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Second <laughs> Peter chapter one verses twenty to twenty-one, knowing this, that no pri uh, prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now, this is, a, this is a, an important two verses in our interpretation of Scripture. Because it says here very clearly that the, that, that the, that the prophecy of the Scripture is of, uh, is, excuse me, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. What does that mean? Okay, uh, no, that's not what it means. <laughs> Good try, though. <laughs> okay, no, no. Okay, let me let me let me tell you what this means. It, what this means, in a nutshell, is there is nothing new. The prophecy that's been 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 revealed has been revealed for over 2,000 years. So if someone, and, and Danny and I were talking about this recently, there, there, uh, what, what did just that, that guy, that book that, that you were reading was in, in the 60s? Yeah. Okay. He, in the 60s, this guy came up with a new theological position. Oh, it, it, it was like God revealed it to him. It was private. It was, it was I'm the only one that gets this. And you're going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> yes. What's her name? Beth Moore. Beth Moore. Beth Moore. I don't know if you read Beth Moore books. I would tell you don't don't waste your money because she she <clears throat> we have an article that it, it was in Christianity Today, I believe that she, she claims that God has given her revelation. Well, I'm sorry, that is totally against Scripture. So that, to me, anything that she writes, as good as it sounds, there's got to be some false, some false thinking in there somewhere. Yes. 
inspired revelation. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. When you read the article, you're like, "Wow, I cannot believe you said that. I can't believe Christianity Today published it." Yeah, oh, oh, okay. Was that the context? Okay, I didn't realize that was the context. Of it. Okay, we are going <laughs> to... I don't know if I'm going to get through this. I want to give you three criteria or tests, if you would, to help in your defense of the Scriptures. The first one is the test that is a bibliography test. The bibliography test. What is, what is a bibliography Okay, that's who wrote it. Uh, in college, when I would write a paper, at the at the end of the paper, I had to do a bibliography, and that way, and what it is is any quote or any reference to an article or whatever. I had to make it. I had to put a bibliography at the end to verify my source. Okay, so <clears throat> a bibliography. Let me. Well, I I just told you what a big bibliography. So I won't read the definition because it's kind of lengthy. Um, so in other words, <clears throat> a bibliography test is a test that uh, is relevant to the source of the material. Does that make sense? Okay. <clears throat> so in the Old Testament, I want to give you a couple in the Old Testament, a couple in the New. Again, I, we could, I could spend two weeks just on the Old Testament thing. So I just, I just want to throw some stuff out. The, the, the preservation is a big issue, especially in the Old Testament. The preservation of Scripture. Now, in order to understand... Uh, yeah, letter A. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> You're just going to have to fill in the gaps for me, buddy. I might, like I said, my brain is going a hundred different directions. The meticulous methodology that the scribes used was absolutely incredible. <clears throat> the scribes took their job uh, of, of precisely translating the Word of God so seriously. Well, again, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but um, they would, they, <clears throat> many of them my understanding is, and, and again, I, I could be wrong on this, but I, I think my understanding is correct. Many of them would re, would re, rewrite the same portions of Scripture. It's like it's not like one guy would start in Genesis and go all the way down through Malachi. You know, like one guy would do the Psalms over and over and over and over. And by doing that, he would memorize large portions of it. Does that make sense? One of the things that they would not allow in any way, shape, or form is for any of the scribes to work off of memory. They had to have a legitimate copy in front of them as they translated. Okay, So the, the, the system that they used uh, was, was just impeccable. Uh, again, and, and you, can, you can go online and learn a lot of this yourself. <clears throat> The accuracy. Let's talk about the accuracy here for a second, because th this is critical as well. Scrolls were written with special ink and specific types of animal skins. It, it was. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> they wouldn't just pick up any old animal skin. It had to be certain kind, certain sizes, certain types. It had to be had to be cured and treated and I don't, I don't know or tanning is that what you do with leather it had to be tanned in a certain way and all, it, it was just the, the 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 criteria again it was just incredible just just for the animal skin and then the ink it was not normal ink it would it was ink that would 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 not fade and and very expensive <clears throat> they they had uh, uh, specified columns and specific uh, Yes, that uh, spaces between letters. You know, the, the letters. If, <clears throat> and I have a really bad habit of doing this. Uh, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> my wife knows because she sees my handwriting. But I'll write out a word and I'll miss a letter. And what do I do? 
I go back and kind of cram it in there, especially I, you know. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> couldn't do that. There had and and then a lot of times, <clears throat> uh, uh, if if the letters were too close, that was that was considered a, a, a an error in in the, in the translation. So very very specific. <clears throat> so the the. Uh, uh, the the uh, scribes uh, copied letter by letter, and they counted not only the letters but the spaces between the letters, so that that they you know, <clears throat> so the the old argument that all of this is passed down from generation to generation, uh, you know, like campfire stories and blah 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 blah, it, it doesn't hold water because the 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 preservation. Specifically in the Old Testament, was incredibly, um, what's the word? Uh, precise. There, there was no room for error. The jots and the tittles. <clears throat> and what they would do, I found this out, which I found to be kind of interesting. Uh, if if there was a mistake. They would ceremonial, ceremonial, ceremonially. Anyway, they would have a ceremony. <laughs> and, yeah, it, it, I, I remember as a Boy Scout going to Riverside, California, for a camporee. Uh, you remember those guys? Okay, <clears throat> and we had a, a flag burning ceremony. Oh, do they? Okay, and and there's a very specific way to burn a flag. You don't do it in a in a Anyway, um, <clears throat> but they would have a ceremony and they would literally bury it in, in the sand. They wouldn't just ball it up and throw it away. Why do you think that is? Okay, well, I, I've never heard of that. But the whole point was so that nobody could get a a bad copy of the scripture. It would be it would be buried, and then it would it would it would disintegrate and it would disappear. <clears throat> so I would imagine I don't know I would imagine that they that they would have burned it if it were paper and, and not skin. I I, I don't know. Um, and then uh, let's talk about the New Testament for a minute. And this is this is where I think it gets really interesting <clears throat> because. Comparing copies of the New Testament to, cos- to copies of other historical classics or documents. Does that make sense? If you're going to criticize the authenticity of the New Testament, then wouldn't it be realistic to then compare it to other historical documents as well? Does that make sense? Okay. <clears throat> <clears throat> Letter A, uh, the time between original writings and the earlier and the earliest copies. Aristotle, have you ever heard anybody say, "Well, I don't believe Aristotle because the stories of Aristotle were passed down from campfire to campfire"? And you see what I'm saying? Okay, Aristotle, his original writings were 384 to 322 BC. The earliest copy that has been found was 1100 A.D. That's a span of 1400 years from the original writing to the first known copy. The New Testament was written from 48 A.D. to 96 A.D. The earliest copy that has been found <clears throat> was 125 AD, a difference of 75 to 100 years. Now, based on that, which would you think is more accurate? No question. What about the number of manuscripts? Now, those of you that have heard my sermon on why, why I use the King James Bible, know some of these facts, but some of this I found to be incredibly interesting. 
the, the, the New Testament, the, it, just the New Testament, there are over 24,633. I think this is a low number, but it's a conservative number. There are over 24,000 copies of the manuscripts of the New Testament. Socrates, 193. Aristotle, 49. Uh, Tacitus, or whatever, uh, 20. And Caesar, 10. Do you see an overwhelming lopsided position here? Overwhelmingly, the New Testament and the Old Testament can pass the bibliography test. And it is a legitimate bibliography. Anyway, it's a legitimate reference. Okay. <laughs> There's not a professor in the world that would not accept well, I shouldn't say that. I'm sure some atheists probably wouldn't, but but anyway. <clears throat> so, number one is the bibliography test. And, and again, the stats and the numbers are, we could talk for days and days about it all. The first, the, 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 the second thing I want to talk about is the internal evidence test. There, there are three tests. The bibliography test, the internal uh, evidence test, and the external evidence test. Let's talk about the internal evidence test. <clears throat> the first one, Jesus himself fulfilled over 300 prophecies. Now, <clears throat> numerically, that is so far out there that I, I don't know, I don't know, I, well, I imagine that, that with supercomputers they could probably figure the the odds of that, but there would be so many zeros behind it, it would be it would be astronomical. The fact that a single person could fulfill over 300 prophecies is 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 it's just incredible. <clears throat> Number two, later Old Testament prophet, prophets quoted earlier passages as authoritative. Okay, <laughs> later Old Testament prophets quoted earlier passages as being authoritative. Now, this particular statement is <clears throat> uh, uh, that I just read is referring to the Old Testament, the old, the later uh, Old Testament prophets basically quoting the earlier prophets, but Jesus quoted multiple, multiple Old Testament uh, prophets. <clears throat> Not only did he fulfill them, but he quoted them. Uh, <clears throat> oh, okay, number three. Jesus and the apostles in the New Testament quote Old Testament passages as authoritative. So again, another <clears throat> internal evidence. <clears throat> And number four, the New Testament authors quote each other as authoritative. Okay? Uh, <clears throat> letter B, uh, self-declaration. Okay, the, again, the, we're talking about internal evidences here. Self-declaration. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, For all Scripture is, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Uh, number one, Scripture declares itself to be inspired, uh, the inspired Word of God. Okay, we talked about it earlier, inspiration. <clears throat> Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21, For the prophets came not in old times by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Number two, Scripture declares itself uh, to be... Uh, um, Inerrant, or anybody know what inerrant means? Okay, without error or never wrong. Okay, um, John chapter 17, verse 17. Uh, Sanctify them uh, through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Okay, it is inerrant. Uh, scripture declares itself to be infallible or incapable of error. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5. Uh, every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. 
and, and then all 66 books of Scripture uh, <clears throat> are included in all of that list that we just read. Again, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture. Again, how, again, you guys know the answer to this. In the, in the Greek, what does the word all mean? All. Oh, every word. Every jot and tittle. Every word. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And then my favorite, it is letter C. C. It is life-changing. It's life-changing. Psalm chapter 19, verses 7 to 10. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. I, I love that. I love that opening statement. It is the it is the law of the Lord that converts the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Now I want to go back. I, I think it's in verse verse 7 or 8. Uh, <clears throat> it says, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Earlier we were talking about the fact is, what is it? what is the one thing that somebody needs in order to be able to believe that this book is true? And it's faith. And, and here, the word simple. Anybody have a clue what the word simple means? Because in our, in our mind, in, in our society today, uh, <clears throat> um, who, who can I pick on? Uh, that's not going to be offended. Okay, John, John, put his hand up. Okay, if, if I were to say that John is simple-minded, <laughs> I love that. He, you shouldn't have volunteered, man. <laughs> okay, what would you think if I were to say John is simple-minded, yeah, his his elevator is a few 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 bricks short of a full load. I mean, we have all kind of funny things that we, you know, but but seriously, we 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 hear that phrase and we think we think, okay, all right, there's something ain't connecting, you know, it's simple-minded. That is not what this means. Okay, what it means is just somebody who's who's willing to listen. Somebody with an open mind. Childlike. Childlike. There you go. That's a that's really that's a really good definition. So let's read it again with that con with that context. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. See, it's the person who is looking for something, who says in their in their hearts and their minds, there's more to life than what I know. There's got to be a God. And that's the person that God then can, can work in their hearts and in their lives. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. <clears throat> Those are just a few of the internal evidences. Again, <clears throat> we could spend weeks talking about the internal evidences. <clears throat> Let's talk about the external evidences. Because really, an unsafe person is not really going to be concerned about internal evidences, are they? Not, not likely. External evidences. I want to start with letter A, and that would be the reliability of authors uh, as eyewitnesses. Okay? Number one, Jesus taught disciples for 40 days after his resurrection. Okay? The reliability of authors as eyewitnesses. He taught them for 40 days after his resurrection. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. 
to whom also he showed himself alive after uh, his passion by many uh, infallible infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Number two, 11 of the 12 apostles died for the truth of Scripture. Now, what is the difference between a conviction and a preference? Anybody? There's a very simple definition to it, and then there's a, a more complex one. Yes. Okay, conviction comes from God. Okay, that's that's not the simple one I was thinking of, but that's that's a good one. Okay. Okay, but can you can we uh, let let me rephrase it? Um, we often become passionate about our preferences, do we not? Okay. So what is the difference? I heard I heard this many many years ago. And it's true to a point, but the, the statement that I heard many years ago was, you will die for a conviction and not for a preference. Yeah, you'll, you'll negotiate. <laughs> I mean, you know, obviously our church has a specific style of music. Now, we believe, because of what Bible teaches, that our music is is right and 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 proper and and so on and so forth but to be perfectly honest if somebody walked in the door and held a gun to my head and said you either start playing this kind of music or i'm going to shoot you in the head you know what i'm going to say hey chris (laughs) see what i'm saying okay but if somebody sticks a gun to my head and that tells me i need to divide to deny the virgin birth of my Savior, I'm going to say, hey, pull the trigger, pal. See, that's the difference. <clears throat> Number three, the gospel, the gospels of Matthew, Mark, and John were written by eyewitnesses. Paul's, number four, <clears throat> Paul's writings, except for the book of Romans, uh, and I personally believe he wrote the book of Romans, but anyway, um, <clears throat> Paul's writings, except for the book of Romans, are letters from Paul to churches which he had either founded or had visited. See, Hebrews is written to the Hebrews as a, as a whole, not, not, there's no church of Hebrews, you know. <clears throat> but Paul's writings are very specific. Paul wrote to churches that he had started or had been to. And then number five, all of the New Testament was written during the lifetime of the Apostle John. Think about that one. <clears throat> the, the last the living apostle, so the whole generation, excuse me, so a whole generation of eyewitnesses had opportunity to confirm and or deny the the entire New Testament. Number two, or letter B, reliability of authors as official recorders. Okay, the first one is the reliability of authors as eyewitnesses, and now did they they have the the, the right to be a recorder? Okay, the Old Testament authors for the most part, were prophets, priests, and kings. Absolutely had the authority. Number two, the nature of most Old Testament writing is official historic record, with the <clears throat> exception of, the, uh, of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, uh, which are legal uh, writings. So, and we'll get to this. Um, but there, a, a, a lot of what is in the Old Testament is historically accurate. Number three, over half of the New Testament is written uh, uh, written of Luke, 
who is identified as both a physician and a historian. So he definitely had the authority to write scripture. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles as detailed chronicle accounts of the life of Christ and the beginning of the church up through the ministry of Paul as a legal thesis. Letter C, the acceptance of opposition. This, this is where it kind of gets interesting. First century heresies were all based on mystical and symbolic interpretations of Scripture, never contesting the Scriptures themselves, but the interpretations of the Scriptures. Number two, religious uh, uh, divisions through the centuries uh, to follow always based on the meaning of Scripture, not on the acceptance of Scripture. In other words, the first two uh, things under the acceptance of opposition is based on the interpretation of Scripture, not on Scripture itself. Very seldom, in fact, I don't know of, of a case where, well, let, let me read number three, and this will help explain it. Primary cults, and I'm about to say something here that could possibly make you mad. I don't care. <clears throat> Primary cults, Catholics and Mormons are cults. Just saying. Yeah. They add or take away from Scripture, but do not deny Scripture. Think about that. But yeah, Jehovah's Witnesses, and, and I mean, the list can go on and on and on. But the reason I said that is because a lot of people <clears throat> get upset if you call the Catholic Church a cult. But it is a cult in a very clear and specific sense because it is built around <clears throat> the Pope and not Christ. Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 and 19. For I testify uh, unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if, he, and if any man shall take away from the, pro, uh, from the words of this book, uh, 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 book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and, and uh, from the things which are written in this book. So God, God puts uh, uh, a lot of value in his word. Just saying. Okay, <clears throat> letter D. I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm going to make it. I only, I only have six pages to go. <laughs> Okay, see, Danny made a big mistake of going to that church in Fallon because the pastor preached for an hour and a half. So I've still got, I've still got 40 minutes, man. I... <laughs> no, seriously, we'll be done here in a minute. Uh, and letter D, uh, histor hist historians and archaeologists. <clears throat> and then I'm going to read a few of these, and, and then and then we'll almost we'll be almost done. Uh, historians have long replied on scripture as a reliable source for historic record especially luke is noted as being the best historian of his age that that's that's a mouthful right there uh, number two archaeologists have proven aspects of scripture uh, excuse me scriptural historic uh, record over and over and i'm going to read i'm and, and i'm going to do this quickly so <clears throat> Just bear with me. Uh, the, uh, the first one here is the Walls of Jericho, uh, discovered in 1930s by John uh, Garstang. Uh, the walls fell suddenly outward in a very unique and unusual way so that the Israelites could climb over uh, the ruins uh, into the city, Joshua chapter 6, verse 20. <clears throat> that was considered a, a, a false story in Scripture until... Uh, what was it, 19, 1930, in the early 1930s. 
1986, scholars identified an ancient seal belonging to uh, uh, Barak, the son of Nerhai, uh, a scribe who recorded the prophecies of Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter uh, 45, verse 1. Again, uh, these, these prophecies were um, uh, deemed uh, irrelevant because they couldn't find proof of it. In 1990, uh, Harvard researchers unearthed a silver platter uh, bronze calf figurine uh, um, reminiscent of the, of the huge golden calf mentioned in the book of Exodus. <laughs> wow, imagine that. <laughs> And this one, this next one is one that I didn't, I wasn't aware of. But in 1993, archaeologists uncovered a 19, a 9th century BC inscription at Tel Dan. Uh, the words carved uh, into the chunk of uh, basalt refer to the house of David and the king of Israel. And the Bible version uh, of the Israelite history after the reign of David's son Solomon uh, is, believe, uh, is believed to be based on historical fact because it is corroborated by an independent account of the Egyptian and Syrian uh, inceptions, <coughs> inscriptions. Excuse me. So I didn't realize that that up until then uh, th- there was no corroboration of the fact that King David was ever the king of Israel. It is once claimed that uh, there was no Assyrian king named Sargon uh, as recorded in Isaiah chapter 20, verse 1, because this name was not known in any other record. Then Sargon's palace, imagine this, Sargon's palace was discovered in Iraq and, and very, uh, 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 it's supposed to be every event mentioned in Isaiah 20, uh, his uh, capture, his capture of Ashdod, was recorded on the palace walls. Imagine that. Even more uh, fragments uh, of a, uh, I don't know, um, yeah, Stella, uh, <clears throat> a poetic uh, eulogy, uh, ma- uh, memorialized the victory uh, where fo- uh, were found at Ashdod itself. You know, the, 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 the reality is skeptics are going to be skeptics. And we, we believe this book because we believe it to be the Word of God. Yes? May I share what I found out about what the skeptics were saying about the truth that I found out mm-hmm. my rabbit trail real quick? As long as everybody doesn't blame me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, when I was sharing a Christmas story with men, Okay, one more, one more, and then we'll, we'll close this up. Uh, and this one was kind of special to me because I love the book of Daniel. And one of, the, one of my favorite kings, uh, non-Jewish kings, is found in Daniel, uh, and his, his name is Belteshazzar. Well, Belteshazzar, another king who was in doubt, was Belteshazzar, king of Babylon, named in Jan- Daniel, Daniel 5. The last king of Babylon was... Uh, 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 yeah, that guy. According to historical records, the tablet was found showing Belteshazzar as that guy's son. I, I just I just love it when when God just reveals these things to to our archaeologists and stuff. But anyway, 
<clears throat> I, don't, I didn't get a date on that one. Um, yeah, but it, I, I got the impression it was pretty recent. <clears throat> at the beginning, I read the quote that my pastor friend said, and this was it, because it is inspired, inerrant, infallible authority, the Word of God is our only rule of faith and practice. I want to read you another statement that I made on my theological paper that I wrote when I was ordained. And this is what I wrote. I believe that God has preserved his word for us. Furthermore, I believe that God's inspiration is, is verbal. Uh, every word and plenary, uh, or, or, excuse me, verbal, uh, <clears throat> the very words and plenary, every word, God has preserved his word in the Hebrew Masoretic text and the Greek Textus Receptus, the King James Version, is the only accurate and reliable English translation of these, of these manuscripts. As a result, <clears throat> we can depend on the King James Version uh, and study it with confidence. The Bible consists of 66 um consensual books of the Old and New Testament. <clears throat> that was my opening statement in my bibliography uh, statement. Now, is that all true? I believe it to be true. All of this that we've talked about, all of the, bibliog the bibliography test, the, the internal test, the external test, all of this amounts to nothing if we don't have faith. We can, we can argue for hours upon hours upon hours, but it doesn't make any difference if we don't live it. Because if we don't live this book, then in reality we don't believe the book. You know, we can argue all day long the 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 archaeological and the and the and the uh, uh, geographical. Oh, and by the way, this is a little uh, commercial here. The Book of Mormons, the Book of Mormon, has never ever had one archaeological or geographical proof at all, ever. Okay. They, they have not been, they, the, the Mormon church has spent millions of dollars trying to find archaeological places where some of this stuff took place, and they can't. Just, just that was a free commercial. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It doesn't matter how good we can argue the, the case for Scripture. Now, I believe with all my heart that every believer should be able to. We should know what we believe and why we believe it. But if we don't live it, it's just empty words. I believe the Bible because it changes lives. I believe that this book is the Word of God because it changed my life. And the most powerful tool that you have of telling people about Jesus Christ is your testimony of what God has done in your life. And if, if He has done nothing in your life, if your life is not different today than it was two years ago or five years ago or however long ago, then you need to get back in the book. Not too long ago, is it Ham that built the ark? Ken Ham, 
Okay, Ken Ham, this guy who built the ark out in Pennsylvania, is it in Pennsylvania? Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucky. <clears throat> and and, and just, as it, just as it was getting ready to open, uh, he, he went on TV and had a, a debate with, with um, Bill Nye, the science guy. And, and you know, all, all these Christians were getting all, all Google, <laughs> you know, he's going to make Bill Nye look like an idiot and blah, 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 blah. You know what? I didn't, buy, I didn't waste my time. You say, well, that's not very nice. The reality is there is nothing that Ken Ham is going to say that's going to scientifically change his mind and vice versa. It, it's, just, it's just an argument. What's going, to, what's going to convert Bill Nye's heart is the proof that someone's life has been changed. Not that they found archaeological proof and they found this thing and that thing and and, and and it's faith. Personal testimony is the greatest proof of scripture. Let it change your life. Let the book get in and change your life. Dear Heavenly